I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I feel like this is going to be, uh, uh, Haley, like I read your application. You've got a lot going on. There's, <laughs> there's like a lot of wild shit that, that like, I don't know, maybe, maybe to you, you don't see as wild because right. it's been your life. But like, there's a few things in your, in your like history and your story that I'm, I'm really, really excited to kind of sink my teeth into. Um, and just like for your guys like a heads up. We're kind of going to, I think we're going to be going all over the fucking map here today. <laughs> that works for my brain. Um, yeah, yeah. You'll really love this, Brad. Um, but first of all, Haley, thanks for joining us. Um, all the way from uh, North Carolina, did you say? Yes, North Carolina. Wonderful. Give it. Give us a little bit, like, who is Haley? What's, what's, what is, uh, what is a day in the life of, uh, of Haley? A day in the life of Haley, um, most of the time involves uh, music therapy with uh, little kids, with intellectual uh, developmental disabilities. Um, so today it's a little bit different because I am also a choir director for a community choir with folks with disabilities. Um, but yeah, I work at a, like a variety of places. Um, I doing music therapy and also other community music programs. Um, if I'm lucky, I'll have band practice tonight where I also play violin. I just got off of a gig yesterday morning playing violin at another spot, got a guitar gig later. So uh, jack of many trades music wise, but mainly a music therapist. Very cool. wholesome stuff. Can you? Yeah. It's, it sounds extraordinarily wholesome. Tell, like what's the, what is the, uh, so I, I have a one-year-old and we just, it, me and my wife went to a, uh, like a music class for like, uh, like babies and toddlers with a music uh, therapist Okay. And I was like, and I was like, oh, interesting. Like, what is a, like, what is the, like, what is the criteria of a music therapist and like the things that uh, a music therapist like helps people and how they kind of um, help and work with people, you know, regardless of wh whether it's with somebody with a disability or with a child or wh right. whatever it might be. So the <laughs> the main thing that sets like a music therapist apart from like someone who's teaching like, uh, you know, kinder music or those other programs that little kids do. Yep. Well, we can work with like a wide variety of people. Like I also work with seniors. It just kind of depends on what's going on in the day. Um, but we all have the same like credentials. So we end up with a bachelor's of science degree and we get a lot of training in a bunch of different like neurologic fields. So mm. we all pass a medical board exam for music therapy and for me, I'm working on developmental goals and speech goals with little kids a lot of the time and also emotional regulation with kids who have, you know, they have aggressive behaviors. Hmm. So, yeah, but I have other colleagues who work in the NICU to help, like, premature babies, like, stabilize their, like, respiration and, like, heartbeat, like, just to help keep them stable because they respond to, like, rhythmic sound in that way. Cool. I have other folks who work in memory care who are my colleagues. So we work in a lot of different settings. It's kind of similar to occupational therapy in that way. That's okay. really cool. The The NICU thing reminds me of, like, uh, uh, I thought you were going to say they work in the NICU to help the babies grow. Because, like, <laughs> have you guys heard of, like, when they play music for plants? Yeah. And, like, you play, like, I've really nice classical oh, yeah. music and it helps the plant grow? Maybe it helps the like premature baby grow. I would have to ask some of my my coworkers who work in that field because that's one place I where I never had I never had that like clinical placement. I I worked in um, Parkinson's community groups. I worked in uh, inpatient psych mostly, mm. and then I uh, 
went into community programs for folks with disabilities, which well, is it, where I am now. If you don't know the answer to that, maybe, Brian, maybe you're right. Maybe it does you're right. The babies grow. I uh, fuck. I don't know. Yeah, you know, centimeters every day. <laughs> Taylor uh, Zaya must have been listening to a lot of music. Yeah, that's right. She she's long. Zaya's, she just keeps growing. Zaya's tall she's as long. fuck. She's 99th percentile. Don't you say long? Don't you say long? And, well, no, oh, I guess no, she walks. She walks now. She walks now. So now you say tall. Once you walk, it's tall. <laughs> oh yeah, going from like that horizontal to vertical. That's right. That's right. She's vert. She's yeah. vertical. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, well, Haley, uh, that's all really. I mean, first of all, it sounds like you have a. It sounds like you have a very lovely life. It sounds like you know it, what the stuff that you're doing sounds very rewarding. Also, kind of nice that you can like tie in helping others with the with the art that you love that i'm assuming you love i, I mean it'd be fucking awful if you hated <laughs> right making music <laughs> do you like, like music but like that is, that is that is kind of a rare thing i mean like you know I, i'm sure i'm sure if you spoke to like an actor you know like I, i'm sure at one point in my life while i was acting i was like yeah well i'm, I'm helping people because i'm like stimulating imagination yeah. but it's like this is different like you you're 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 legitimately helping people in need of help in need of therapy with the thing that brings you joy and brings you your own type of like therapeutic, you know, uh, therapeutic benefits. So I, it's just, I, it just dawned on me how fucking cool music therapy Jared, is. Maybe, maybe you like just um, highlighted an opportunity for actors. Like maybe there could be acting, acting therapy, therapy where, yeah. well, there where, is, it's called, it's called, it's called improv for adults and it's, uh, <laughs> no, no, it's but, just a way to get into a room and, let it all out. What if you just started going to like the local children's hospital and like just acting? I think it's called clown ship. Clown, yeah, it's, it's, it's called clown right, clown clowning. Is yeah, that, actually. Yeah. Um, but uh, but Haley, you you yourself have your own experience with uh, chronic illness, and you've got a few things going on. Two of which I don't know anything about. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a, I'm gonna give this a shot. Uh, you have hydrodentis suprativa. Your guess is as good as mine. Every doctor has said it differently, and I have no idea, so I'm just calling it HS. HS. Let's stick to HS, because that's way easier on my tongue. Uh, uh, psoriatic arthritis, and another one that I don't know, herbs palsy. Yes. Oh. Herbs palsy is the... Um, the one that I had to basically do my own detective work and like retroactively try to... <laughs> obtain my medical records from when I was born because it was the 90s and they were not keeping good enough records of what was going on. Mm. So it's uh, basically a paralysis of the brachial plexus, like that nerve bundle in your shoulder. Um, so that got severed when I was born. And so I have really limited range of motion in my left arm, but I have like full dexterity, but the gross motor movements are... A lot harder. Interesting. Is it hard to play uh, musical yeah. instruments right, with right. that? Um, incredibly. <laughs> um, it's uh, it really got in the way of me trying to learn violin at certain points. I have some workarounds, but um, yeah. Um, so you know, when you're playing like guitar, you go. I don't know if any of y'all play. I just it's a more common instrument, so I'm guessing at least one of y'all might have never tried even, it. I, I've never even heard of a guitar. What is this? <laughs> what, what do we speak of here? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, if anyone plays an instrument, it's going to be a guitar. So, you know, when you're going up the neck, <laughs> um, it's just like this. But on a violin, you have to do it like this. I can mm. do this just fine. And for the people who are um, not just watching a video, yeah, I just realized, like, this is a podcast. <laughs> so my arm is like up in front of me and then I have to move it closer to my face and mm. I can do that. But trying to pull it back away from my body again, I had to teach myself that movement for like wow. months. So that like was really difficult. <laughs> so like in the early days of playing violin, were you just like, just killing it on the, on the like lower registered notes. And then the higher notes, you're like, oh, I just can't, or, or, or you, you go to the high notes and you just can't get back. It was just like, fuck, I can't get back down. Yeah, right. <laughs> and are you like, cause, cause when I hear you say that, like I, I play guitar and like I, but I play in like, a, I'm a very, I'm a very like amateur. He only yeah. knows Wonderwall. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean no, but like kind of, yeah. <clears throat> um, and, and so when I'm playing guitar, my my biggest hurdle is like oh i'm just making my fingers do the things that i want them to do and like 
especially like harder notes and, and, and then going, okay, well then how do I get from like this note to that note? And like this easy note that I know how to play well to this, like, you know, like slightly harder note, like how do I make that transition? So, I mean like the things that probably most people are dealing with when they're trying to learn an instrument. Um, but then you have this much more sort of like complex thing where it's like, you just need to make your shoulder be able to like in your arm, do the movement to even like let you do it. Like, are you, are you the type of person that's like, I'm assuming you probably are because of your background. Like you pick up an instrument and you kind of know it in a way. Like you kind of, you like, like understand like the ethos of the instrument, like before you even play it. You're a savant basically is what he's asking. Are you a savant? My God. <laughs> I started violin when I was eight. So I have a familiarity of how the different string instruments work, but right. I was shit at teaching myself guitar. So I had to like get lessons. I'm not like, Okay. I'm not, I wasn't like a, you know, prodigy or anything. Okay. 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 <laughs> so he's just trying to gauge how impressive this really is. Like, like, was this just really easy yeah. for you from the beginning or like, was it actually difficult? <laughs> piece of cake. Actually, the herbs policy has never affected me once in my whole life. <laughs> I don't even know why they tell me I have it. So, yeah. So I, the, the herbs palsy thing, very interesting. I mean, I, when you brought it up, I saw Taylor, I saw you nodding and, and I'm guessing that's because, um, you know, for, for people who don't know, you just had a baby. Uh, is herbs palsy one of the things that they kind of warn you about or that you like read up on before Zay mm. was born? Because it's, you know, kind of like CF where it's like, keep an eye out for this because it could be this. No. no, these just these just come natural. No, to Taylor. He just he's a savant. <laughs> he's <laughs> a savant when it comes to all things palsy. I'm just a disease savant. No, I, I actually I might have just been um, I might have just been subconsciously nodding because I, oh, okay, I, I okay. I'm, I'm unfamiliar My bad. with herbs okay. palsy. Uh, uh, I mean, I actually don't know about this because there was two doctors, um, Michael Bell's and David uh, Herbs, and they discovered the two palsies. Okay, and right. one is Bell's palsy and one is Herbs palsy. Um, they were working a lab together. It's it's a yeah. Check well, out Haley. Just don't don't don't, don't listen to this. This is f- this is fake news. Fake news coming at you from. Well, Canada, yeah, because which... clearly I know that there's only two two different things that could possibly be paralyzed ever. <laughs> that's, right, that's, right, that's right. That's right. Okay, so 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 herbs palsy fucks up your shoulder when you when you when you come out of uh, the womb at birth. Um, but the thing, so the thing that I kind of want to like dive into. There's two parts here. One, which maybe we'll get into after, is the um, is the the like music camp thing. Cause I'm really curious mm-hmm. about that. Um, but before we get into that, um, y- you were saying that you, like you had to do a lot of digging, a lot of research, you know, to, to kind of figure out what the fuck was going on with your shoulder. Um, and again, like a, a large portion of our listeners are from Canada. Um, and I know that you, uh, you know, we said earlier you're from the U S um, and there's like a whole fucking shit show with like, <laughs> the U.S. healthcare system, but in particular with your experience with the healthcare system, can you kind of walk us through that and how Bell, how Herb's Palsy sort of weaved in and out of that? Yeah, so it's been one of the bigger, like, <laughs> mysteries in my life, um, as well as the HS. I mean, all of this has been kind of a mess. So for some background, um, I... Uh, so we don't... Obviously, we don't have... Um, we don't have... Uh, nationalized healthcare in the US. And so my father didn't have traditional health insurance. It was one of these alternatives where it meant that I didn't have coverage from when I was still like a child. So I just haven't had health insurance for most of my life, um, definitely from when I was at least 16, and I got pretty severely injured as a result of the herbs policy, um, and there just weren't a lot of options for what could be done about that without insurance, essentially. So, mm-hmm. do, you, oh. do you, I was just going to ask, like, do you mean there weren't a lot of options in terms of like, like financially, you couldn't afford to really go and find out about what was going on with you because it's just so expensive? Obviously, yep. without insurance. Yep, that's that's basically it. Yeah, so it was a lot of just me trying to get by with the range of motion I had, um, and uh, yeah, it, it. I didn't really try to do anything about it until it got to the point where I was in college and I could no longer play violin because I had lost too much range of motion and I was having such severe nerve pain I couldn't play and I changed my major to uh, classical voice because I couldn't do violin anymore and so I had like 
two to three rounds of physical therapy. And then I was like, okay, I got the homework. I can do this because I can't afford to go back. <laughs> um, and that was kind of it. And the hospital I was born at got merged into another hospital and the paper records got shuffled around. So during the lockdown, I was getting kind of obsessive about finding like what the hell happened to me. So uh, yeah, documentation can be a mess. Insurance is a mess. And the the whole lack of insurance and not having access to even some pretty basic health care really was mostly in the way of finding out what was going on with HS. So, so I started getting symptoms of HS when I was about 14, which is um, I've learned is pretty typical for this disease. So, um, and to give you a rundown of like what those early symptoms are, you get these infections in your skin, which is like kind of like the super uh, painful, inflamed, like pimple behind the ear that we were talking about earlier. Um, so it causes um, these like little pockets of infections that at first it'll look like almost like a pimple, but mm. it gets way bigger than that and way more painful than that really, really fast. Um and there isn't really a way to like relieve that inflammation. And I started getting those when I was about 14 or so. And yeah, it started like like inner thigh, groin area, but it can also be like your um for people get them all sorts of places, but I also would occasionally get like my underarms and also like my butt and to like I have got scars that actually make it look like my ass got like shot a bunch of times whoa yeah holy shit yeah like the scarring's I'm, pretty awful <laughs> i i'm gonna say like for anyone who's for anyone who's curious whoever, for anyone who's like really into like really intense medical stuff if you do a quick google search of and you know google always gives you the best of the best yeah yeah the best <laughs> oh, yeah. lighting the best lighting hydrodentitis <laughs> superativa if you if you google it it's it's pretty harrowing. Like, like this is it, this looks so painful. I can't even imagine how how, how fucking like sore that must feel. Haley, how like as a I mean as a 14, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, Ugh. like how uh obvious was it to you that it wasn't pimples? Mm. You know what I mean? Like cuz you're getting pimples. Like that's the time right. where you start getting pimples. I it didn't occur to me that it was anything that shouldn't be happening. You know what I right. mean? Because yeah. I'm like, you're getting acne, and I'm like, okay, this just hurts way worse. Um, and I started thinking, okay, this is not normal when – oh, how much sorry. When it um, – when the infection gets bad enough, it can break open and start bleeding a <sighs> lot. Um, so when that started happening, I was like, okay, there is something that's probably not supposed to happen here. Um, but I'm in a family where like, we're like middle class, but when you live in the South and you come from poor people who come from poor people who come from poor people, mm -hmm. even if, okay, so we didn't have like health insurance in like the way that most people have health insurance in that it was only effective for like really specific things. And what I was happening with me didn't fall under that. Um, and you come from this culture of you can deal with it yourself. Like I have never gone to even to this day, I've never gone to the hospital in my life for anything. And Whoa. that's just sort of you deal with it. Um, it's always like <laughs> butterfly closures and hydrogen peroxide was always like the joke, but it's true. Like there's nothing you can't fix with hydrogen peroxide and butterfly closures. Um, and in this case, um, that there's nothing you could do about it, but I was like, okay, but you got to fix it yourself. And so, um, um, have any of y'all seen no country for old men? I'm Fuck going yeah. to oh, yeah. actually, yeah. I actually yeah. just rewatched it recently because oh, my yeah? partner never saw it. And, uh, <clears throat> I love that movie. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a while, but 
I yeah, I so when um <laughs> Anton Sugar, he gets shot and remember when he like he he like shoots up and robs this drugstore. Yes. To, and he gets the supplies that he needs. He goes, he checks into the motel, he gets in the bathtub, he sanitizes it, and he cuts into himself yeah. and oh, takes yeah. that bullet out and oh. on just his own self. <laughs> so I watched that movie for the first time when I was about like 20. And I'm thinking, this is probably supposed to be not like a relatable scene here. (laughs) 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 Because at that point in my life, it went. From when I was like 15, it was so normal for me to be like, okay, you sanitize it with alcohol, you sanitize your your needle with alcohol, you can lance it essentially and get get it bleeding faster so the pressure can go away. I know that's contributed to some of my scarring looking worse, but if you look at, I mean, the wonderful academic source of Google images, I don't think there's much you can do to keep the scarring from being pretty heinous no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's uh, like for people who aren't going to take the time to go look at it, it does remind me of like, um, and I feel like we, we've all we've all at least known someone who's kind of had to deal with this, but like really intense cystic acne, you know, like the, the acne that like causes those like deep pock marks. But like it's that jacked up to like eleven. Like it, it really does look like there's just like permanent fucking damage going on. And and so okay, so again, because I feel like you've you you sort of mentioned that you've spoken to healthcare professionals, and they're kind of like, oh, we don't really like we don't know. Um, but do you know why? Like, what is causing this, or why that happens, or or why the damage is so so destructive compared to? you know, just like regular acne or. Yeah. Um, so, um, my best understanding is that it is an autoimmune disease. Um, and it has to do with like your sweat glands. So it tends to affect areas that have more sweat glands. That's what I do know. And I know Mm. that it was always way worse for me in the summer than in the winter. Um, so that probably has something to do with it. But um, I don't exactly know, like, why they get infected. Like, I and I know that it is a progressive disease. So early on, you just get a few here and there. Um, and by the time you get to, like, stage three, which is where I was at when I first got treatment, which was about um, – and I only saw a doctor for it for the first time this past September. So – I've only been getting treatment for six months. Um, wow. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm 26 now. So, um, I, yeah. Haley, I, I mean, we, we've, we've talked to a ton of people from the U.S. Um, over the years. And, and I, <clears throat> I am always kind of interested in the, in the like, hey, we're from Canada and we have this kind of healthcare system and you're from the U.S. and you have this kind of healthcare system. And I feel like I feel like in almost every conversation we have with somebody from the U.S., that conversation comes up, but then it kind of just goes away because every I think, as I sit and think about it, that everybody that we've talked to, when I ask that question about like insurance and being able to get treatment, I think everybody has gone. Oh, oh I had an I had insurance, so like, you know, it was fine, and. And, and so, and so, in the in the in the instance of somebody who's who has insurance in the U.S., it, their their experience is 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 much like anybody from Canada who can go to the hospital for whatever and get their treatment for anything at any time, um, albeit with a wait and a whole bunch of issues that come along with that. But, um, like, I'm I'm curious about like how you feel, like when I hear you talking about the the DIY treatment. Mm. It's very like, like you live and you are from like, like the, the country that has like given the most to the world. I mean, okay, everybody put your fucking, put, put your, put your, put your shit down and just realize that America is and has given the most to the world in the history of the planet ever. 
It's a in, very, in a, very in a, first in, world country. In a in a yeah. thousand ways, regardless yeah. of all the issues and blah, 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 blah that you yeah. can talk about. The modern world. The, 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 um, uh, like America has done a yeah. fucking lot. Like, Mount, like Mountain Dew, <laughs> fucking <laughs> Pepsi. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What else? We got sodas. Like, like uh, burgers, like, in and out Burger. Yeah, in and out Burger. Really, they don't really share that either, which is <laughs> kind of like an annoying. Yeah. Like the Big Mac is yeah. like when I think of the states, I think of but you, but, Big Mac. But you go, but but then and then this one area in healthcare <laughs> is like this this one area where it's like all these other countries that have you know contributed in like a quite a big way in a similar way to the way to the things that 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 the U.S. has done over the past like 150 years. They have this healthcare system where like everybody, like, I don't want to say people don't slip through the cracks because I'm making generalizations, but people have access to healthcare. And then, and then you, like, you're kind of, when I hear you talking about this DIY treatment, like, it sounds like you're from a a, a different country. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't sound like the story of somebody that is born in the US. And I know that, that you are, and that there are many people that have similar and worse, you know, situations when it comes to healthcare. And like, what is your, like, how do you feel about your country? When, like, when you, when you're, when you're like, I can't go and get like some pretty basic, I think basic, yeah, basic um, shit. It's, I mean, it's pretty horrifying. Like, um, I brought up the no country for old men example, because that was kind of like a, I'm not supposed to find this a relatable moment like this is supposed to be this horrifying harrowing thing that you're like cringing as he's doing this and i'm like this is a day in my teenage life and um yeah i i think it's uh pretty spectacular how i live in one of the richest countries in the world and um that there, there is in theory all this access to healthcare, but because my dad had the wrong form of insurance, that me and my sisters um, ended up in a situation with no access to healthcare. Um, in in that way, like I'm, like I, I'm really struggling to think of. Um, Like I have my vaccinations, you know, I have that like basic level of, you know, healthcare, but, um, for something like this, it was just, you know, I wasn't dying of it. So, you know, Mm. so it would have been hundreds and hundreds of dollars out of pocket. So why bother doing that when like... And some rubbing alcohol into a needle and some dressings that you get from Walgreens can do just as good. <laughs> Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. I don't, I don't want to make it, I don't want to make this like, I don't want to make this about like U.S. healthcare and like blah, 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 blah. Cause this is your experience and your, although obviously but, that's part, that's yeah, part of it. That's I mean, it. that's yeah. the setting that my story is taking place in, right? <laughs> right. Is yeah. the U.S. healthcare mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. And like, and so I was listening to, uh, Peter Atia, um, is a, uh, physician who has a podcast that I listen to avidly. And he was talking about the, he was talking about healthcare costs in the U.S. specifically. Um, and he was recounting a, um, he, uh, he, he's, he lives in Texas. He goes to, uh, San Diego, I think. And his son has, son has something where he had to go to the emergency room and his son got, um, a blood test and a bag of IV fluids. And Peter Tia being a physician was like, I know how much this shit costs. Like I know the cost of it, like the bare cost. 
He was like, the blood test is $12 and the IV fluid is um, uh, like 40 bucks. And then there's, um, and then there's, you know, like a, maybe like an administrative fee that's like allotted to like the 10 minutes of time that an administrator does to send off whatever. And so he goes, you know, like the actual like bare cost of this, of going, taking my son to the hospital, I know is around about a hundred bucks. And he goes, and the bill that I got was for $6,000. And he goes, and I paid about $2,000 and 4,000 or whatever, 3,500, whatever was, was, was for, was paid by insurance. And he talks, and, and so I'm kind of thinking about in like other scenarios, like for example, I run a yoga, I run a yoga studio. And when I'm thinking about like cost stuff, it's like, well, we have a drop in, we have like a single class that you can buy. And we make that class that you can buy like a little arbitrarily expensive. And we do that so that it's more enticing to buy 10 classes. Sure. And so like we, so that's something that we do. So these, the, and that's like at this, you know, we're, it's like that. Okay. Is this an advertisement? For no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just making, I'm just, I'm just making Specifically the, Specifically the 10 I'm just class. making the comparison. <laughs> I'm just making the comparison between like a practice that like a small business does to like, to make it more likely for you to like spend a little bit more money, but also like invest in actually learning and, and, and like taking the product. Okay. So leave that aside. That's just something that like businesses do. And then the hospitals that people come to, to get care so that they can stay alive and stay healthy in, in the, in the U S do a very similar thing where they set up deals with certain insurers and go, oh, if you are from this insurer, your cost is going to be like down here because we've set up like a deal where we like that insurer. If you're insured by this person or you don't have insurance at all, we basically go, hey, here's this super unaffordable cost as if it's going to entice you to go get insurance from the right insurer or that it's going to get you to get insurance. Like they, it's like a, it's like a, it's like an, almost like an intentional, it's intentionally fucking you to, 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 it's intentionally fucking, but the people that it's intentionally fucking is the poor and marginalized people, the people who are, who can't afford it, who are also the people who need it the most. Right. Yeah. For, for years, um, I only started like having a one full time 40 hours a week job with a salary, um, in the past year. Before that, I was working three different part-time jobs. I'm a musician, you know, like I'm going to be working part-time jobs Mm -hmm. all over the place. So I was working way more than 40 hours a week and with no, no benefits at all, no sick leave. Um, so, no matter how much pain I was in, you just got to push through and keep working because you need the cash because maybe I'm going to need to go to the doctor if one of these infections gets bad enough. That never happened until I got insurance. I just kept doing it myself. But um, yeah, it wasn't until I got a salary job um, a few months ago or like about a year ago now that I finally was able to go and, yes. and and what See was that doctor. difference? What was that difference like when you like crossed into this like insured realm? It was like a whole other world. Like I cannot explain to you how much my life changed about six months ago when my health insurance kicked in and I went to the doctor for the first time. Um, like, well, first of all, to be like presented with a diagnosis, like right off the bat, I had looked online. I was pretty confident that was what was wrong with me. But to just have a doctor like look at the scarring and be like, oh, you've got HS. And um, I got sent to a dermatologist, never seen a specialist. Like it's like, oh, okay, there's all these people who have all these options and I don't need to do surgery on myself anymore. Um And, like, I don't want to say that it was, like, easy navigating that system because um, I don't know if it's this way in Canada, but um, so I needed to take Humira 
to manage my disease. Um, and the dermatologist presented me with that, like, pretty, like, pretty much right off the bat. She was like, you're stage three. Um, this oh, is wow. not going to get better. Um, this is only getting worse. Um, and Humira is basically your option for when it, if they catch it earlier, there's some antibiotics that can help like slow the progression. I was just, you know, 10 years into the disease progression without anything to control it. So it was like, yeah, you got to do Humira. Well, is, is Humira like a, is it, is it like, is it's a, is it's branded use like a psoriasis or something like that? Um, yeah, psoriasis. Um, and I think Crohn's disease. As well. oh, okay. Okay. Um, like a lot of a lot of autoimmune diseases, okay. and it also helps with my psoriatic arthritis. Like I don't get a different treatment for my psoriatic arthritis. Huh, interesting. Than, okay. Yeah. It, I think it takes care of all of it. I think it's pretty much for anybody who watches The Price is Right. <laughs> right. Everybody who watches yeah. daytime television takes yeah. you mirror. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it seems like. And all, and all really the people funny. in the ads are so happy and, and like, you know, no pain. Everyone so taking Humira is exactly yeah. like that. Everyone has great. such good mobility. Yeah, they're like, yeah. stage three HS? <laughs> I've got Humira. <laughs> and by the way, like, I, I just want to say for people that, that aren't really aware, but like, I, I've been looking at the, the Wikipedia for HS here for, for a bit now. And um, stage three is the highest stage. And, and when you go through the, it's called the Hurley's staging system, which was a classification for system uh, that's, that's for patients with skin diseases. Um, and stage three is like, I mean, the final thing that it says in stage three after it goes through all the stuff is obviously patients at this stage may be unable to function. Like it is, it is like wow. horrifically bad. Um, uh, you know, we're not just talking about a couple of bad zits. We're talking about like fistulas and things that can like basically debilitate you fully a hundred percent. So, um, yeah, I, I like, you know, cause we're sitting here, we're talking to you and you're, you know, you just, you seem like this very jovial, sweet human, you know, you, like, but I, I don't think, I think I just wanted to like really hammer home that like, this is, this would alter anybody's life in such a huge way. And so just for the gravity of the situation, because it's like, mm -hmm. without seeing it, you really don't get it. And, uh, and, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry that like you're, that it progressed that far. That's really fucked up. Yeah. And I, I would like encourage anyone to like, yeah, look that up because like, say it's a skin condition. It does kind of, um, that like, that doesn't encapsulate like how it affects your no. life. Yeah. Um, because, um, like if, imagine like if that's in like the bend of your leg and you, you can't move, you can't walk like every step you take, that's like excruciating pain. And when you're in my situation that I was in, you just got to act like it's okay when you can barely move. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's, it is, yeah, really severe effect on your entire mm -hmm. life. Um, I mean, and, and like, like you're talking about the physical aspects, but like, think about how, psychologically fucked up that must be right uh <laughs> yeah and especially when it's starting when you're uh you know like going through puberty and yeah. a, like a, you're a girl who already has like body dysmorphia and like all sorts of other like psychological issues from that mm. and then you google like what can i do about this and you start to see hs and this was in like the 2010s and all of it said lose weight and I was already like a skinny kid who was experimenting with starving myself already because, you know, that time and place and being a teenage girl. And the main thing they're saying is, oh, this happens if you're overweight, you need to lose weight. And mm. so that also scared me about seeing a doctor mm. because I didn't want to be told that because I already had such like crippling um, – like fear and insecurity about that. Mm -hmm. Did, um, um did, did like, what is, do you have any sense of, do you have any sense of what, uh, what does HS look like? What could HS have looked like for you? You know, if you had been able to take Humira or, or, you know, been able to see, um, been able to see, have access to a doctor, you know, in your teens, Instead of instead of instead of it being ten years or more later, yeah. Um, 
I probably would have been able to get on there's like this three months long course of antibiotics, um, which is like the first resort before Humira. Why my insurance didn't want to approve Humira for me because they're like, you didn't do the course of antibiotics, even though I'd already progressed beyond where that was um, going to be effective. Mm. Um, but I probably would have gotten that. And it, there's a good chance that would have controlled the inflammation and stopped that cycle because um, as you get more scars, um, as Jeremy said, there begin to be like fistulas, which is like tunneling between lesions. So there's just more and more damaged skin that just keeps getting reinfected. And you basically begin to run out of healthy areas of skin. Um, and it just stays infected. Like there can be I know to this day, like I've been on Humira for um, close to four months, I think. I've been on it for five months now. Um, there's still places like underneath my skin where I'm like, there is still something like maybe infection here. And it just, I don't know if it's going to go away. I don't know. It's just, this is what I live with. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have continued to progress to stage three probably. Um, and I would have, yeah, there would have at least been options because every doctor I've seen has been like, I don't really know because I've never seen stage three before. I've never seen it this bad. I don't know what Humira is going to work like for you. There's a lot of damage to undo. Um, because they just aren't used to seeing something that's like run this untreated for this long yeah and and the treat the 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 disease itself is uh is apparently like quite poorly studied um the nature of the disease itself so like but have you i mean have you noticed a difference you know going going from going from like javier bardem in the bathroom (laughs) like you know shoving the the scalpel into your skin like to to seeing to seeing specialists and 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 trying like things like humera like have you what has the, has there been a difference and and like what has that difference looked like and and how does that feel for you uh, my god it's been like i feel like i have a whole new body honestly being oh, on humira yeah. um because um i also had i learned after you know getting into the healthcare system that um i had psoriatic arthritis, but I didn't have psoriasis on my skin. So I just never thought that. I just thought that my joints hurt like hell for no good reason. Mm. Um, and also I just had like, I was just really susceptible to like respiratory infections. I was just sick all the time for like several years. And I'm just like, well, I just have a bad immune system. Well, no, I had psoriatic arthritis. Um, so being able to, uh, like, I didn't realize, like, how much mobility I had lost. And um, really, since I've been on Humira, like, so for context, like, this is another one of those, my job it has me doing a lot of different things. And everything I do sounds so, like, fun, but it's not fun <laughs> when you can't walk that well. Yeah, um, yeah. I was... I was the assistant director of a summer camp for children with um, intellectual developmental disabilities. Um, And in theory, it should have been a really fun job. But I was walking like six, seven miles a day um, during the camp um, while having this like excruciating joint pain that was getting like worse by the day. My HS was getting out of control. Like, and there was so little that I could even like wear because I'm like, I could start bleeding. And so I'm having to manage that. I'm having to manage dressings that are getting all wet from sweat and like trying to keep them on my body. There was, it, it was like to the point where I could like barely walk. I was, um, like it was just like excruciating pain. And I was just like, I cannot keep living like this every day. And I, even something as simple as like going to the grocery store, I'm like, I can't walk that much to mm-hmm. get my groceries. So even something as small as um, about two months after starting Humira, I left my apartment 
and walked across the street to the drugstore to like, I don't know, grab something and walk back to my apartment. And I was like, I walked across the street to get this thing and went back to my apartment and I was able to do that much walking felt like mm. it felt like a whole other life. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, I, I want to just make sure that I put this in here because I think it could be helpful for, for, for anybody who's listening, especially if you're in the U S and you like for anybody who uh, is on Humira and especially if you are uninsured or maybe if your insurance doesn't like cover that much of Humira, I, when you said that you were on Humira, uh, like something pop, something went off in my brain, and I and I realized that I had read something in the past few weeks um, that uh, whoever makes Humira, which might be Abvi, it's um, Abvi, um, is is coming up for a, their their patent is expiring this year, which means that it will <laughs> wow. go to it will go to generic. Other drug makers can make generic forms, which dramatically lowers the cost of a drug. Um, when other people can make it, um, because there's more competition, and now hum- uh, AbbVie has to compete with all the other brands that are now able to make the exact same drug. Um, AbbVie is doing like every they're they're basically have like a total onslaught on like the patent in like the patent uh, orbit to try and to try and re up their their patent on Humira so that generic drug companies can't make it. But anyway, that's besides a little bit besides the point if it ends up expiring and can go out, it could be like, if you are on Humira right now and you are paying out of pocket for that drug, or you are like taking out, like people in the U S people take, take out loans, you know, to, to be able to, you know, treat themselves with medical costs. Um, it could become, it could become much cheaper this year or, or next year. And I think that's just important to mm-hmm. make sure that people know about. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I didn't even know that. So thanks, Taylor. <laughs> Haley, I, I wanted to ask about, um, like I'm imagining you at summer camp and, and going through that that challenge, like how hard that would that would be to to sort of go through the day-to-day and like try to, I mean, try to be present, try to enjoy the moment. Um, I'm wondering, did you like have anybody that you could talk to about what you were going through? Have you, Have you opened up to friends or family about what this has been like for you? I, um, uh, this is actually a little funny. Um, some of my family and friends will probably be hearing about this for the first time as this podcast goes out. Um, I, there's some people who were close to me who I was communicating with as things were getting more severe and I was like really losing my ability to do most like daily activities. Um, but, um, yeah, it was mostly my my partner knew from about three years back when we started dating um, that I was going through this. But my best friend, like, I only told her once I started on Humira. And even though, I don't know, I am generally, like, a pretty, like, wide-open person. But this topic just always seemed, like, so off-putting and then not having any answers about it. I was just like, well almost like convincing myself that I was exaggerating it, which is why I was so shocked by doctors' reactions when Mm. there was always this like, oh, you poor thing. Oh my God, this is so sad. And I was always like, what? This is just my life. Um, Mm. And so when I started to see healthcare professionals' reactions, I was like, well, maybe this is a bigger deal than I've been thinking maybe or maybe this is legitimately a big deal and I haven't been exaggerating it Mm. um which um I guess you know it sucks that it took that sort of um interaction with the healthcare system for me to feel like what I was going through was like legitimized but that was kind of the impetus for me beginning to share about that with my right. friends. But I mean, again, like, how would you know, right? Like, I, like right. If, you, if, you, if you're not having the access to, like, healthcare in general, it's like, how, yeah. how do you know? It's, <laughs> it's not, it's, it, it makes, I mean, it sort of makes sense to me in a way. But I'm also yeah. kind of curious, like, were you able to hide it that well that, like, you know, your best friend couldn't tell that you were just, like, in debilitating pain sometimes? Yeah, that's and, what I was wondering. You know, it's, like, like you, you were that well at masking what was going on? Um, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, she, she knew that I had a bad immune system. She knew I was sick a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, and, uh, but I, I never told her about the, the sort of Javier Bardem stuff. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And Did, yeah. I was going to ask you, but like your, your partner, um, when you started dating, was, was this something worried that you, you were worried about talking about or trying to find the words to, to tell them about? Terrifying. Terrifying. I avoided dating for mm-hmm. a while because I was so scared about anyone seeing the scars. I was just like, this is so revolting that I don't feel comfortable with people seeing that much of my body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what was what was that process like? In yeah, like how did you navigate that? that when you when you've started seeing this person? Um, it was surprisingly, um, I guess, less less scary than I thought it would be because um, my my partner he is uh, very, I guess, he, it just was like no big deal to him. But I had put it up in my mind that it would be because I had been thinking that my body was that like horrible for mm-hmm. you know like almost a decade at that point. Um, but even now, you know, it's been three years and I still, sometimes I'm like, Oh no, I, this, like, this looks so awful. You know, um, Mm. it's kind of a hard obstacle to get past like regardless. Um, even like with the most accepting person in the world, your own image of yourself can, I don't know, still fuck with you. (laughs) Totally. And sometimes the hardest person to, (laughs) like impresses ourselves yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. trying to be comfortable with yourself first before, before somebody else. It's hard. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's even, really even hard. if you have that reminder of like mm. an accepting person, basically telling you the opposite of what you, of what your mind is telling you, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're, you're yeah. your own harshest critic. Haley, what, what would you say? I, I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of narrow this down to the HS, um, Mostly because I, I feel like it's it's kind of the the biggest the biggest obstacle that you have faced in in your health kind of journey so far. Um, not to downside like downplay the herbs palsy or the the, the arthritis, but um, it, what would you say is the biggest thing that your HS has taken away from you? I'd say that the biggest thing that HS has taken away from me is my freedom. When I was uh, young teenager beginning to deal with it i i it was just dealing with so much for more cbc podcasts go to cbc.ca slash podcasts